Well, we want to talk this morning on building a church legacy. That's the title of the message, Building a Church Legacy. Um, for the past several days, my wife and I took a few days to go and just get away to relax. And uh, it's very much needed rest for both of us. We drove uh, several back roads from here to Short Track, Angelica, Mount Morris, Geneseo, and then just as far as Bradford, Pennsylvania, we didn't really drive more than two hours away. And uh, it was just fun just to kind of get away and to, um, you know, just see the sights and to really see the differences in the layout of the, the land from here to there. Um, we basically stayed within that two-hour drive, but we saw all sorts of places. And uh, we had several hours to talk, pray, think, look, dream, plan. It was just a great opportunity to just let your brain kind of go into free, what's that word, free, I don't know, free fall, I don't, I don't know, and just to just relax. And uh, throughout the week, we had several texts that came and said, hey, pastor, pray for this. So we pray as we were driving down the road, um, people looking for jobs, people going through circumstances, and we just took, took time to pray. Um, but I said in a sermon a couple weeks ago that I love my church and I'll fight voraciously for it. I want you to know that I mean that very much. I love my church. I'll fight for it. And uh, there are times when maybe to an outsider looking in or maybe to some of you who have been here for a while, you're not really sure what that means and maybe you're not sure if I'm thinking about what the circumstance that's taken place. I am. I don't know if you have this problem, but I have this brain issue that it just never shuts off. <laughs> That's kind of why it's nice to get away once in a while, because your brain just has to relax a little bit, and mine just doesn't do that. I'm that guy that in the middle of the night will get up and write something down sometimes, because at 3 in the morning, that's when my brain's all active, you know? I don't know if you have that kind of a brain, but there's so much that goes on in a church setting that I love it. But there are things you got to deal with from time to time as, as well, and Here's what I want you to know, and what I mean very much is that I don't want Satan to creep in and get anyone or anything out of sorts with what God has planned for it. Amen? I want what God wants for this church. Um, I want to build a church legacy unto God. Not unto us, but unto God. And that means that we have to stop sometimes and just pause and to say, what is it that God is trying to do in and through us? to be the church that he wants us to be. Um, but I know that for me, that means I'm always thinking ahead. I'm always kind of planning ahead. I'm always kind of, what about this or what about that? What is God trying to do here or there or whatever? And, um, but if you haven't figured it out yet, and maybe some of you have, I'm kind of a dreamer at times. I'm kind of a visionary. Um, I want to see God do something great. I've said it many times, and the only way I know how to illustrate it is that if you've, ever, if you've ever seen somebody win the lottery, you know it changes their life. They're excited, and all of a sudden money's not an issue, and they can do whatever they want, and you say, oh, that's cool. I'm just telling you, it's not the same as if it happened to you. I mean, I don't know that from experience, but I know it's not the same. Because it's one thing for it to happen to someone else you know when something great, something big, and by the way, I'm not pushing the lottery. I don't believe in it. I haven't spent my first dollar yet. It's amazing to think when something great happens to someone else, you're excited. But it's not as great as when it happens to you, right? Because you experience it. You, you know it firsthand. 
And that's what I want God to do in our church. I don't want to hear about other churches that are going gangbusters. Oh, I'm encouraged by it. That's awesome. But I want to see God do something here. I want us to experience God's blessing. And so because of that, I kind of dream a little bit. Um, so several thoughts came to my mind as I took a few days this past week and with my wife and just got to see a little bit of the countryside. And I want to share just a couple of places that we went. And there's a point to it, I promise you. Um, we kind of we spent a local night here in a motel to get a pool because we wanted to go swimming. And uh, what else do you do in the middle of winter when you can't go to Orlando, right? I mean, we're not going there. So we got a local motel with a pool and had the kids come over and had fun. But then we kicked the kids out and we went on a little road trip. And we started off the road trip by going to Cartwright's Maple Tree Inn, right? I mean, is there anything better than that, a local attraction, right? I mean, I'm just telling you. I lost 65 pounds. I splurged on some pancakes. It was awesome. <clears throat> it was good. I doused the syrup. I'm just telling you. It was good. Established in 1963, and here's what comes to my mind. There, are, there is no telling how many pancakes and bottles of maple syrup that have been sold since then. Can you even put a number on this since 1963? And actually it started before 63 because the Cartwrights brought up about the, the business from another relative. But that place has been making maple syrup for years and buckwheat pancakes for years. I don't know if you can put a number on how many pancakes and syrup, bottles of syrup have been made from that place. Since 1963 to today. Next. And by the way, my wife did not have any idea where I was taking her. It was fun. She was scared. No, I was kidding. Went to Olean, New York. You know what's in Olean, New York? Cutco Museum. It is awesome. Just a little hole in the wall behind the monster factory behind it. But you get to see the history of how Cutco became Cutco. And if you know anything about knives, which I don't know a whole lot, but I know that the best knife in America is a case knife, right? I mean, those of you that like knives. But Case, Co case and Cutco were together at one time. Uh, wherever was part of the picture and wherever became Alcoa, Alcoa became Cutco and so forth. And, uh, and it's really fascinating. So we're watching this, these little videos and these, reading these little signs on the walls and seeing all the different knives and the history of how Cutco started here and ended up here. And it's really awesome. Established in 1949 is when they started making knives. And uh, presently, Cutco is, is in approximately, presently in approximately 16 million homes. Can you imagine? And them things aren't cheap. 16 million homes have a Cutco knife in them, roughly. I think they've done a fair share of marketing and some good PR over the years. They have what they call the forever guarantee. And of course, part of my reason for going there was I thought, well, not only is it going to be a cool thing to see the Cutco K-Bar Knife Museum, because if you like knives, it's a cool place to go. I thought, well, hey, we'll, we'll grab our couple Cutco knives and go there and drop them off, get them sharpened, and get them sent to us. And so my wife says as we're going in, well, we should we have brought our knives. I said, I did, honey. I got them. <laughs> One step ahead of you. That's rare, by the way. So anyway, um, but they have that forever guarantee, and that's like awesome. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can go there. You can, you know, get them dull as you want, try cut a rock in half. I mean, somebody's tried to do it. I mean, but they'll sharpen them. Sweet. And then we drove just another 20 minutes 
and went to the real knife museum, cut or case knives, and it was really cool. A big room, and they have like thousands and thousands of knives from the, some of the first knives that they ever produced up to the present. And um, the first case knives were made by the four case brothers back in 1889. 1889. They've been making knives for over a hundred years. These knives are in, in the World Wars. They're, I mean, they just, and they're on all seven continents. They're just everywhere. It's crazy. And since then, they've sold millions and millions of knives. There was even a case knife with, a, with the astronauts that landed on the moon, if you can imagine that. They are the only knife company that can say, we had a knife on the moon. I mean, think about that. That's crazy. And in the same museum is Zippo lighters. And I'm thinking, okay, that's pretty cool, but why would Zippo and Case be together? Well, Zippo bought Case a few years back, and they, wanted, they were two family-run organizations that they wanted to keep them as a family-run organization. So they're in the same place. But Zippo lighters were first made in the 1930s by George Blaisdell. And uh, he took a design that he saw and said, I can make that substantially better because I'll make it windproof. Thus became the windproof lighter, Zippo. Um, back a few years ago, they celebrated their 80th anniversary and over 500 million lighters sold. They too are on all seven continents. And I forget what they said today, but there's roughly between 12 and 18 million lighters made every year, depending on demand, depending on uh, who needs them and so forth. And, um, but for 85 years now, Zippo has been offering a lifetime warranty. If at any time you try to roll that little flint wheel and it doesn't work, send it in, they replace it, or repair it free of charge. You have to be pretty guaranteed of your own product to offer a lifetime warranty for that many years. Then we went over to the Eldred World War II Museum. That was pretty cool. It's an incredibly awesome find. Someone recommended it to me, and I thought, okay. We got there. It is awesome. It's a two-hour drive. And for several hours, my wife and I were in there just reading the little placards and looking at photos and, and just checking out the place. It was awesome. I never thought I'd sit there and read that much about World Wars. It's awesome. Is absolutely incredible. But they had one wall that went to another landing that was dedicated to a local war hero by the name of Colonel Mitchell Page. And it shared his whole military experience and as a local hero and some of the things that he did. And they said that Australia credits their freedom to Mitchell Page, who was born right outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, he said he, for, for a good bit of time, literally held off thousands of Japanese people by himself as his platoon behind him were killed. And his arms were all melted with, uh, with a, the heat of the machine gun that he was holding. He took it off the tripod on the ground, put it on his arm, and held off a whole platoon of Japanese people. And, and Australia credits their freedom to this man. And they have, a, being a local war hero, they have a whole area just dedicated to him and the work that he did in service to America. Then we kind of topped it off by going to Sprague's Maple Farm. 
if you've never been to Sprague's, it's Cartwright's on steroids. <laughs> Just saying. Cartwright's is cool. Sprague's is another step beyond. It's the same kind of idea, except for magnified. It's in Portville, New York, hour and 45 minutes away. They have a farm that they have free-range turkeys. They offer turkey dinners all year round that are infused with their own maple syrup, which has won first place. Yeah, it's good, John. I'm just telling you. It's infused with maple syrup. It is the most tender turkey I've ever had in my life. It is awesome. But it's more than just that. It's an experience. Year-round, they have trails that you can go walk on behind the restaurant. They have hay rides that you can go on. They have big deals around the holidays, around Valentine's, around Thanksgiving, around Christmas. And you see the pictures, you watch the video in the hallway as you're going in. And you see that it's more than just a place, it's an experience. And as you're walking down the hall, you see videos of all the hundreds and hundreds of people that gather at their big events throughout the year. When people come, it's an experience. But it's not just an experience. It's something that is carried on from generation to generation to generation. It's fascinating. So is there a point to all these stories? Yes. There's something that all these places have in common. And I think it can be summed up in the word legacy. A legacy. So, in your bulletins this morning, there's a little bit of a handout. For some of you are thinking he never does handouts. Yes, miracles do happen. But I want you to think about a legacy. We're going to talk about what a legacy is and then what that means for a church. So number one, a le- or first of all, a legacy is something handed down or left behind for someone else when you are gone. The legacy may be something monetary, but most often it is an experience, an item, or a memory. Let me say it one more time. A legacy is something handed down or left behind for someone else when you are gone. The legacy may be something monetary, but most often it is an experience, an item, or a memory. And as I think through all these places that we were able to experience in just a couple of days and these free museums that we went to, they all are really part of something bigger than themselves. It is really a legacy to the next generation. When you go to Cartwright, you know, Mr. Cartwright is long gone. The relatives that started is long gone. But the tradition, the legacy, the experience, the everything that's involved with it still is carrying on. Zippo lighters. George Blaisdell is long gone, but his lighters are on seven continents. By the... I think at this point, close to a billion lighters produced. His legacy carries on, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the legacy may be something monetary, but it may not. But most often it's an experience, an item, a memory. But establishing a legacy is valuable for at least five reasons. Let me give you those five reasons. Number one, a legacy is usually associated with a brand or a name that represents quality... Because it's been tested and proven. It's been tested and proven. It represents quality. Very rarely will you find something that has a legacy attached to it that is not quality. That's not been tested. 
that's not been proven. Anything that has a legacy attached to it has been proven and tested. Number two, a legacy is usually associated with things of purpose and value. Purpose and value. Very rarely will you find something that is considered a legacy that doesn't serve a purpose, that doesn't have some type of value attached to it very closely. Number three, a legacy is usually associated with things that persevere through various difficulties. It perseveres through various difficulties. Most anything that you can think of as a legacy has gone through trials, without doubt. But they've persevered through them. If they haven't, they've usually failed, and it's the end. Number four. A legacy is usually associated with things that benefit others. Very rarely is something a legacy if it doesn't have a benefit to those that come behind. And number five, a legacy is usually associated with good memories. When you go to uh, Cartwrights, what goes in your mind? It's like, man, I can't wait. Some of you want to go, right? I mean, tell me you don't want to go. You want to go. There's a couple of you that said, man, that World War II Museum sounds pretty fun. I'd like to check that out. Yeah. Why? Because of the good memories that are attached to it. So let's examine this legacy idea for just a moment. Number one, a legacy is usually associated with a brand or a name that represents quality. You know, when I think of brands, and, and as you think of brands, I could just say a few names, and immediately the reputation that they have would come out. And uh, I'm not talking about a Ford versus Chevy thing. When I think of a Ford, what comes to your mind? The history behind it. It's been around for years and years and years and years and years. And you think of from the first Model Ts to the present and how they've evolved and how they just keep coming off the line. It has a history. It's a rich history. And if you've ever watched any of the documentaries on the Ford family, it's really fascinating, isn't it? It's amazing. Kodak. You say, wow, what a legacy. The, the film that they produced for decades. The best film used in the business. What about General Electric? I mean, a company that's been around for decades. A company that has produced more products than almost anybody. A reputation. Nikon. Man, I can remember being in junior high and getting, being fascinated with cameras. I wanted a Nikon because when I was in junior high, Nikon was it. Other people had Canon. Nikon was it, was it. Had a reputation of being incredibly good. Or Nike. Or IBM. Or McDonald's. It's been around. They've been tested. But when I think about those, those are places, those are companies, those are families that have gone through testing. They've gone through trial. And they've proven. What about our name as a church? What's our reputation? Amongst ourselves, I'm not even talking about outsiders, I'm talking about us. Is it a place of love? Is it a place of encouragement? 
Is it a place that exalts the one and only name above all names? In fact, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is all about the name. That's our brand. That's our name. That's our legacy that we are trying to build for, for God is through the name of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about any one pastor who's ever been here or ever will be here. It's not about any one member that has ever been here or ever will be here. It is all about Jesus, and apart from Him, we have no reason to meet today. Right? We have no reason to meet apart from Jesus. That's who we are trying to build a legacy. Not that He needs our help, by the way. He's already got a legacy. But I want our church to reflect that legacy. I want a church that exalts that name. That name alone so legacy is usually associated with a brand or a name the name of jesus that represents quality because he's been tested and proven no one's been tested and proven like our lord we were just talking about that the last couple days in sunday school last couple weeks tempted in every way like you and i yet without sin i mean left the splendor of heaven, took on the limitations of flesh, to walk as a man, to experience what it, what it means, to, to know what it means to live in this earth. Hungered, thirsted, was fatigued, emotionally frustrated, not, not frustrated, but emotionally in, intact with people. Remember, he cried when Lazarus died. He took on the limitations of flesh voluntarily, was tested, yet came out unscathed. Nathan says, a man with whom, you know, any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yeah, Jesus. And he's the name above all names. That's the legacy we want to reflect. Number two, a legacy is usually associated with things of purpose and value. As I was watching the video about George Blaisdell and the Zippo lighter, I thought to myself, that's cool. We so often associate Zippo lighters with smoking. But there's another whole history besides smoking. Um, outdoor products and camping and, and scouts and uh, scouting ventures and so forth. But it, the idea that he wanted to build a lighter that would not be put out by the wind. And uh, I didn't say it to my wife, but I was thinking to myself as I was watching this little video, this historical video, you know, remember the commercial for Bic? Flick my Bic? <laughs> Those things, half the time, if the wind was blowing at all, they wouldn't stay lit, Right? But the Zippo lighter, designed purposely so that the wind could not blow it out. And what's interesting about that, that there was a time in the history of Zippo where it was kind of on the brink of whether or not we're going to keep going or not. Because there was a huge order, and I can't remember what country ordered it, but there was a massive order that needed to go out. And he said, I will not let that order go out. And his employees were saying, let the order out and you can fix the flaw later. And he said, no. And he held the order back so that he could redefine and rework the flint wheel so that it would work every time. He said, I'm not sending out a product that is subpar. He said, I won't do it. The wind cannot blow it out. Nike, just do it. We want a product that's going to feel good on your feet every time you put them on. Obviously, they can't last forever. But we're going to make them last as long as they can. And we're going to have a product that is going to be 
above the rest. State Farm, like a good neighbor, we're there. I know people who've had State Farm for decades. Say, well, I didn't have a good experience with them. Well, it's insurance. But for illustration's sake, they've been around forever. Don's granddaddy swore by him. Said, uh, you know, the person says we've we've uh, covered a few things because we've seen a few things, or however that goes. The product has a purpose, and failure is not an option. Think about that for a moment. Like a car, like a computer, like a construction company, you typically get what you pay for, right? If you want cheap, you're going to get. If you want something that's going to work, you're going to have to pay for it. We joke about Apple versus IBM. Oh, you hear all the time, Apple is so expensive. Right, but it just works. You pay more, but you get more sometimes. Somebody would argue that, and that's okay. But the reality is, they keep improving because they're a quality product. You typically get what you pay for. Not all things are created equal. Did you know that? One car is not the same as the other car, even though they both may be brand new. They're not the same. Some are built to last. Some are built to sell. It is what it is. Can you imagine an artificial heart that's designed to work well 20% of the time? <laughs> Going in for my artificial heart. It's going to hold me over till I get the next one. Don't worry, though. It works good 20% of the time. That wouldn't sit well with Jarvis, would it? Have you ever read the history behind that? It says it's got to work, and it's got to work every time. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 3. When I think of these verses that I'm about to read, one of them I read last week, the rest I did not, but I think of purpose and value. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That was His purpose. That's why He came. And that's why we have to continue to work on reflecting that legacy. Because that's the purpose that which we ought to model in our own lives. We ought to be people of purpose. In John chapter 17, over just a few chapters to the right here, He continues on that purpose, I believe. John chapter 17 and verse 3 says this, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That represents His purpose. And if we are going to leave a lasting legacy to Jesus Christ in this church, we have to have a similar purpose. We have to know our purpose and fulfill it. Down verses 25 and 26. He says, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. What's he saying here? The purpose that I have come here for is that they might know your love, and that their love might be perfected in them as it is in me. The purpose is not changed. And if we are going to have a legacy unto God in this church, 
we have to have a purpose that reflects Jesus Christ and His love. John 4.34 says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Did Jesus ever lose His purpose? No. Wouldn't it have been easy to do that? I think so. I mean, there's so much to do, so many people to talk to, so many people to you know, connect with, and so many circumstances I've got to deal with. I mean, it wouldn't have been easy to say, well, hey, let's put this cross thing on hold for a little while. He never lost sight of what he came there for. He never lost sight of what God, his Heavenly Father, wanted him to do and accomplish. He knew his purpose, and he stuck to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 14 and 15. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all those who live, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What's he saying here? We have a purpose. And if God has affected our lives, then we need to let that love of God that has changed us work in the hearts of others through our testimony, through our life message, through the purpose that he's given to us. And in verse 20 and 21, he says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So he's given you a purpose as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to carry on Jesus' purpose. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A legacy is associated with purpose and value. If we are going to have a lasting legacy as a church unto God, we must live with purpose and value. That's why Paul said, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now think about that. Go back a couple pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 19. It's a familiar passage. It says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Stop right there. You know what that requires in our life? Humility and sacrifice. Humility because we have to make ourselves available to others even though we don't have all the answers. And by the way, let me just put a plug in for the movie Run the Race that just recently came out. You need to see that. It's a great movie. If you know somebody who's struggling in their faith, they need to go there and see it. It's a great movie. But the idea is that I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. We need to humble ourselves and say, and, and get rid of the excuses. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do this. If you know Jesus Christ, you have a, you have a story. We've talked about that. Share your story. Humble yourself. Share your story. doesn't mean you're a holy roller. doesn't mean that you have all the answers. doesn't mean that you're just Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. But if you know Jesus Christ, you have a story. You need to share it. But it also takes surrender and, and sacrifice because it's not easy. I don't know about you, but every time I'm compelled to stop and help somebody, I'm on the way of doing something else. i got seven other things I need to get done, but this opportunity has presented itself. And I really don't want to take the time. 
it seems like every time something like that happens is when I'm busy doing something. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might what? Win the more. Fulfill the purpose for which Jesus Christ came to this earth, which also needs to become our purpose. To win the more. He said, To the Jews I became as a Jew, and that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without laws, without law not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, I'm sorry, verse 23. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. What's he saying? He goes, We have a purpose. We have a purpose. Just like Jesus had a purpose. Number three, a legacy is usually associated with things that persevere through various difficulties. We talked about Ford, GM. Have they had their struggles as a business, as a corporation, as an organization? Have they almost gone bankrupt a couple, two, three, four times throughout their history? Yeah. And for whatever reason, we still drive those cars that are coming off the line today. Why? Because they persevered through struggles and trials. They didn't just say, well, that's hard. Give up. I'm done. I think of other companies like Xerox. Almost all big companies have gone through their share of struggles. Some have rebounded. Some have not. How you handle the struggle will determine how well you rebound or if you will rebound. Let me say that one more time. How well you, how you handle the struggle will determine how well you rebound or if you will rebound. How do you handle struggle? How do you handle disappointment? How do you handle trials? You see, as a church, I even know churches across the country that have gone through their share of struggles. Some have rebounded and, and are doing very well and they're reaching people and they're, they're having an impact in the world that they live in. And other churches have shut their doors. How you handle the struggle is important. You can give up, give in, or you can grit down and say, I'm going to make it through this. And it really does come down to your choices that you make. I'm not saying that there aren't circumstances that make it difficult, because there are, always. But how you handle the struggle will determine how well you rebound or if you will rebound. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I love this. Beginning in verse 22, it's a kind of a longer passage. Just kind of bear with me as I read through it just for a moment. It talks about suffering. It says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In the journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleepless often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, 
and cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches? Let me ask you a question. Did he have a reason to quit? Come on. If anybody had a reason to quit, it was him. I don't know about you, but one, one of those circumstances would have said, I don't know if I'm in on this. But beaten and shipwrecked and stoned, left for dead. Come on. This guy made up his mind. He says, even though I'm going through all these things, what's on my mind? That purpose. These churches that you've sent me to work with. Verse 29, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is pleased or is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Eratos, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. What's he saying here? He goes, man, people wanted to kill me. But God protected me through it. And you have to know that no matter what various, what, whatever trial you go through, whatever circumstance you're facing, God will be with you. You have to know that. You have to know that. You may not always see it. You may not sense it, but he's there. Let me just say this too. Do you think Paul wanted to go through those things? Do you think he got up in the morning and said, Whoo! Great day to go for a shipwreck. Let's do this. Great day to get stoned. Come on, guys, gather the big ones. Right? No, nobody chooses those things. In fact, we pray not to go through those things. In fact, later he says that he's got this infirmity of the flesh, and he asked God to take it away, and God said what? No, but my grace is sufficient. See, legacy is usually associated with things that persevere through various trials and difficulties. You either keep going or you can stop it right there and say, I'm done. I quit. I give up. Not for me. He knew his purpose and he wasn't going to quit. Once again, I remind you, Philippians 1.21, for me, to me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. I'm going straight ahead and if I die, oh well, I still win. Number four. Someone once said it's better to give it away because you can't take it with you. I think of people like the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Laternos, people that we have heard of, maybe even others who will one day leave their fortunes. And there's a billionaire club that, that, that has promised to leave their, their fortune, not to their families, but to everyone else. I think of the Gates Foundation. They've, they've pledged not to give but like 1% one, one or 2% to their family, which is still more than you and I will ever see in three lifetimes. But there's a billionaire club. They said, we're not giving it away, or we're not keeping it. We are giving it to other people. You see, a legacy is usually associated with things that benefit others. It benefits others. Um, what about our stuff? Our life, what does it represent? Are we building and building and building and building as if we're never going to die? 
or are we building so that we can use it for the glory of God? A legacy is usually associated with things that benefit others. When I think of all those products that we mentioned, those families benefited, but far more than the personal family, the world has benefited. I mean, where can you buy a pair of Nike shoes? All over the seven continents, anywhere. Where can you buy a Zippo lighter? Any of the seven continents. Where can you buy a case knife? Anywhere on the seven continents. It has benefited others. The original founders, they're gone. But the product still lives on. And long after we are gone, our life legacy ought to be that we walked with Jesus and we imparted that faith into our kids by how we lived it out. And in our churches where we lived it out. And the next generation and the next generation and the next generation is still benefiting from our faith and our obedience. That's a church legacy. Can we force it? No. But we can live it out and do our part. 1 John chapter 2. I love this. When I think of a legacy and how it benefits others, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Who's that benefit? Everyone. Everyone. That's a legacy worth living for. A legacy that benefits everyone. He says, I'm dying for the whole world, not just for a select few. Number five, a legacy is usually associated with good memories. Who doesn't have a good memories going to Cartwrights? Come on. That's good stuff. I don't care who you are. That's good stuff. And you can't wait till next year when it opens again. So you can go experience that again because you have good memories of good food and eating too many buckwheat pancakes. I remember as I was sitting at Sprague's Maple Farm watching that video, several times a year they have community events. Whether it be a Valentine's Day where they have a special on a meal that brings everyone together uh, around their maple syrup. Whether it's their maple syrup festival that they come together and they're boiling thousands upon thousands upon thousands of gallons of raw maple syrup to you know, produce their product whether it's their Thanksgiving gatherings, whether it's their Christmas hayrides and fall festivals. You know why people just keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back? Because of the good memories and the quality of what they're doing. Great memories acquired for generations to follow. You might be sitting here wondering, what in the world do all of these companies and people have to do with me? Here's my dream, my vision, my hope, my prayer, is that our church, that this local assembly, would leave a legacy of Jesus, of bringing glory to Him for generations to come. That would be my prayer, my hope, my vision, my dream for this church.
Because it's not about any one of us. It's not about any of us. It's about him. Establishing a church legacy. A church legacy is associated with a name above all names because he has been tested and proven. Psalmist says, taste and see that the good Lord is what? Good. Anybody who truly experiences Jesus Christ will know that he is good. A church legacy associated with things of purpose and value. What is our purpose? At least part of our purpose has to be part of what his purpose was. To win those around us to Jesus Christ. To show them the love of God. If we can do that, we will leave a lasting legacy to, give to God the Father through this church. A church legacy associated with perseverance through various trials and difficulties, and yet has stayed the course. Do churches go through struggles? Yeah. Do people in churches go through struggles? Yeah. Do churches go through real... I mean, in the last year and a half to two years, how many megachurch pastors have been fired? Let go. Said, you're done. Churches go through hard times. Why? Because they're filled full of stinking sinner humans. This is what it is. But what about leaving a lasting legacy to God the Father through Jesus Christ of being a church that goes through trials but stays the course and comes out stronger because of them. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Amen? I think, yeah, we have our share. Every church does. You see, if we're weak in our faith, we just say, skip it. I'm done. Quit. And people do that all the time. But when we're rooted deep and we trust in God, and can I even say this, when we look internally and say, I know so-and-so has irritated me, but did I feed into that somehow? Is part of that because of me and who I am, how I react, acted or reacted? Maybe it's me that needs to change, not him or her. Maybe it's me. If I'm willing to look inward first, before I look outward, what a difference I could make. And we could be a church that even though we go through trials, we could persevere through them because we stay the course and leave a lasting legacy into God. Because it's all about Him, not about us. And a church legacy is associated with good memories because God's love is present. I don't know about you, but I have great memories of church. Growing up, I was that four-year-old bus kid that, as I've shared many times, a guy come to our door every week and said, hey, we have a bus route, we want to take our kids to church. And finally, my mom says, fine, quit. Come into our doors. Leave us alone. But through that, God gave me a love for the church. Some of my greatest memories, my greatest memories revolve around one church or another. That's me. Maybe that's new, not you, but it is me. The memories of growing up and going to vacation Bible school, the memories of growing up and going to camp, the memories of going to the father-son retreats, the memories of the banquets, the memories of missions conference and meeting people from all over the world, the memories of revival meetings and how God worked in my life. My greatest memories are around the church. I went there because God's love was there. 
It wasn't perfect, trust me. You know anything about my home church? It's not perfect. But it has persevered. And there's great memories of watching God at work. I thank God for my home church and my youth pastor that gave me an opportunity to go on a mission trip in 8th grade when I gave my life to God. And I said, God, you can do with it whatever you want. I have good memories of church. And how we respond to churches, our church, how we respond to trials and difficulties will speak volumes to those around us. How we talk in front of our kids. How we talk about our church in front of our neighbors. How we talk about our church in front of our relatives. How we talk about our church in front of our coworkers. Because stupid things are going to happen. They just will. Because we're full of sinful human beings. Who all need Jesus Christ. And his grace. And his mercy. But we ought to be talking about the memories how God worked in our life, how God used so-and-so to draw me closer to him, a legacy unto God through Jesus Christ. You bet I want Harvest to leave a legacy of faithfulness and obedience and bringing glory to God. He deserves nothing less. Amen? He deserves nothing less. But here's the problem and the solution. Who's the church? You and I. It's not the name on the sign. It's not the building. It's you and I. We're the ones that can either live selfishly for ourselves or we can live selflessly for God and leave a legacy of who God is in our lives to Him. All glory to Him. Amen.